And again, I'm going to ask if you would please join me for a word of prayer. We come to your word now, Father. Everything that we have done so far is so critically important to who we are as believers in Jesus Christ as we have gotten our hearts ready for worship by listening to our prelude as we have prayed to you, as we've hear, heard your word read for us, and as we have sung back to you songs that speak from our hearts. Now we come to your word, and I pray that since it is the power that exists in this world to change lives, that our lives would be changed because of the power that you possess and the spirit that you send to work in our midst. We give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to start with an ap apology. This past week I have been struggling with a cold and my voice is just not where it needs to be. You may see me sucking from a water bottle here from time to time as we go through. So thank you for your understanding. In the second week of January of this coming year, we're going to begin a series, Book of Joshua in the Old Testament. We're probably going to be there for probably about half a year, just digging into the study of the book of Joshua and see and and mining mining from it some really good nuggets of truth that we can hang on to for our lives. So today I want to give you a little bit of a tick. What 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 the hymn writer said: a foretaste of glory divine. Right. We're going to be in Joshua chapter three this morning. I think this is a very appropriate passage for us to look at as we spend this last day of 2003. I direct your attention to his word as we read the first four verses together here. And in fact, I'm going to ask you to do this. If you have the ESV version of the Bible, and it's okay if you don't, but if you do, would you read this, these four verses together with me, okay? Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Shittim, and they came to the Jordan he and all the people of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, as soon as you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. And there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits in length. Do not come near it, in order that you may know the way you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. The last phrase of that last verse is so appropriate as we face a brand new year. You have not passed this way before. None of us have been in 2024 before. I don't think there was any time machines that were invented in the past year, so none of us had a chance to to jump forward to see what it's going to be. But it seems a fitting place for us to consider as 2023 is almost in the books. As of midnight tonight, it's done, it's over, it's gone forever. And the only thing that's left to do is to look forward to 2024 and hopefully anticipate the new set of 366 opportunities. That's right, it's a leap year. Did you know that? We're not going to have 365, we're going to have three. We get an extra day in 2024. Woohoo! Right? Well, it's a, 
as we are about to step into this new year, we have no idea what this new year will hold for us. As the text says, we have not passed this, this way before. Wouldn't it be great if somehow on, on close to midnight on the, at the end of 2023, we got a video preview of what 2024, maybe it wouldn't be great. <coughs> but somehow, if we had some knowledge of what this year was going to hold, I think perhaps maybe we could be better prepared to face it or something like that. But here's what we face now in the text that's before us. Let me give you a little background to Joshua chapter 3. Israel had been in the wilderness for 40 years. A whole generation had passed. You remember that Israel was freed from Egypt, free from the bondage, slavery that's there. And Moses led them out through the wilderness and they stayed out there 40 years. The whole generation had to die because of their sinfulness, their wickedness, the fact that they complained against the Lord. So now there's a new generation that has arisen. A generation that didn't see any miracle of the, uh, of the uh, plagues and stuff that freed the people of Israel from Egypt. They didn't see any of that. They did see some miracles, maybe the the provision of manna that was there for them on a daily basis, that was something. But you know what? That's the kind of miracle that you kind of get used to. And you kind of think it's not quite so special, although it is very special. So here's this new generation. They have not seen any of these things. And now Moses is gone. Moses is not with them any longer. Joshua is about to lead them into the promised land. They've got to cross the Jordan River. You have not passed this way before. They were about to go into a new land. They've never seen it. And a land that, as far as they knew, was full of enemies, full of people that they had no knowledge what they were like. Israel had been here before. They came up to the promised land. They sent the 12 spies in there. Ten them came back and said, there's no way we can do this. We're like grasshoppers in their sight. And I wonder if that story got passed down through to the next generation and all the next generation knew was what the previous generation had said, we can't do this. And so now they're standing about to go back into Jordan, crossing the Jordan again. They didn't know what the future held for them in form of opposition that they may face. They didn't know what kind of forces might be hiding in the mountains that loomed before them. They could not tell how difficult the path was that lie ahead of them. Joshua's officers were commanded to go through the ranks. And basically they were saying, you're about to take a journey to where you've never been before. You're about to go down a road that is brand new to you. You're about to travel through strange territory. To put it in a way that many of us will understand, to boldly go where no man has ever gone before, right? See how many Trekkies we have in our auditorium this morning. That's what they were going to do. And I think, in principle, that's exactly where you and I stand here on this last day of 2023. We're about to embark on a brand new year. We have no idea what's going to be before us. We have no idea what kind of joys are going to be in 2024. We have no idea the heartbreaks that we will experience 
in this new year. We don't know what joys, what sorrows, what losses are waiting for us. We don't know whether it's death and disease or disaster that's coming our way. We don't know what trials or tests we may face. We don't know what new challenges and new opportunities and new ministries and new additions to the family. Maybe new jobs, new heartaches, new friends, new blessings, new reasons to praise God that are before us in the coming year. I'm thankful that in his instructions to Joshua and the Israelites, God has given us four very sure, dependable guidelines for starting the new year. Four principles we can rely upon as we move forward from today tomorrow, which will be 2024. Here we are facing uncharted territories. What are the principles we can glean from our passage before us? In verses 3 and 4, the first thing we learn is that we must rely on God's presence. See, to the Israelites, the ark symbolized the presence of God. In the ark, there were several items. You remember this? First in the ark, there were the two tablets that had the Ten Commandments. The two tablets that basically outlined the moral fiber, the fabric of the people of Israel, and how they were supposed to live their lives the rules and the laws that would be built and extrapolated from those two things. But there's the two tablets that Moses brought down from the mountain were there in the ark. Secondly, there was a supernaturally preserved pot of manna. The Israelites had been feeding on this for year after year after year for 40 years. And, and they knew that if they took more than they should have for one single day, it molded and turned mealy and wormy and stuff. But somehow, they put a pot of this in the Ark of the, of the Covenant and it didn't turn moldy. I mean, it, it was supernaturally preserved. Here is it that, that, that reminded them that God is the only one who can satisfy. Jesus would say later in John 6.35, I am the bread of life. And that's what they were reminded of in that Ark. Thirdly, there was Aaron's rod that budded. This was the rod that Moses used when he was confronting Pharaoh. This was the rod that symbolized God's power over earthly rulers. Do you think that would be significant to the people as they moved into a territory they'd never seen before? Something to remind them. We have a God who exercised His power over the greatest known worldly ent entity. God was powerful over that. So all of these things, letting them know nothing is impossible with God. And, and, the, and the commanders went among the people and told them, basically, keep your eyes on the ark. Keep your eyes on God. Live in the awareness of His presence in our midst. And there was a space, there's supposed to be a space of 2,000 cubits I should have done the math to, get, to convert that into feet. You can do that on your own. But, it, but essentially, a long space between the people and the ark. Why did there need to be such a long space between the, the ark and the people? Well, one thing, the ark was holy. And I think people remembered that there was that guy in the Old Testament reach out to stabilize the ark, and he was instantly killed. So you don't want to come too near this thing. This is God. 
This was a God that to the people of Israel, He was holy and would strike you dead if you came immediately into His presence. But I think even more importantly, those who followed behind it would be able to keep it in view and it was put out there in advance 2,000 cubits so that everybody could see it. You ever seen something happen and people rush around it and you can't see what's going on in the midst? You know, somebody falls on the sidewalk, people rush to their help, and so many people there, you can't really see what's going on. And if the people of Israel were marching into new land, needing they knew, knowing that they needed to rely on the presence of God, they might have wanted to stay as close to that ark as they possibly could do. But if people in front did that, then the people in the back wouldn't be able to see it. So God pr prescribed a distance. The crowd was not to follow too closely because only in the, those in the front could see it. Everyone was supposed to follow it so that everybody could keep their eyes on the ark, which symbolized the presence of God. And I think that's one of the very first things we need to do if we're going to make it victoriously through 2024. We've got to keep our eyes and rely on God's presence. We've got to determine to keep our spiritual eyes on Jesus just as those Israelites kept their physical eyes on the presence of God. First, be sure you've accepted Him as your Savior. I'm not going to stand here and assume that everybody who's hearing my voice either live or recorded has accepted Jesus Christ as a personal Savior. That should be a first step you should take. But if you've taken that step, and I'm assuming, again, assuming that that's where most of us are here today, we need to make sure, certain that every day we reaffirm our dependence upon God's presence in our lives. We've got to make sure that we are pledging our allegiance to Him. We have our Awana kids come in. We set two flags out here in the middle and a Bible out in the middle, and we say our pledges of allegiance. It's a great thing to do. We need to do that every single day. State our pledge of allegiance to God. In 2024, don't focus on your job. Don't focus on your hobby. Don't focus on your recreation. Don't even focus on your family as important as they are. The old hymn admonishes us, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And what's the result? The things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. So I have to ask, are you willing right now at this very moment to make that commitment? I'm going to make Jesus Christ the central focus of my life as we move forward into 2024. If you're not saved, I'm going to ask you if you'll yield to Him right now. You can do that right where you sit. If you're already a Christian, resolve right now, I'm going to make it a point to wake up each morning and remind myself that I live in the presence of God. His Holy Spirit resides in me. A consciousness of God's presence will produce a life without fear and without dread. Number two, we look at verse 5 and then jump forward to verses that we haven't read. We'll be looking at 15 to 17. We must reckon on God's power. I like that word reckon. You can kind of tell it was with my hillbilly folks this past week for Christmas, right? 
get together with my West Virginia friends, so I came up with the word reckon. But the word reckon simply means we must count on. We must count on God's power. Look at verse 5. Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Jump down to verse 15. And as soon as those bearing the ark had come as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped in the water, now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of the harvest, the waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zarathon. And those flowing down toward the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, were completely cut off, and the people passed over opposite Jericho. Now the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of Jordan, and all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. What a tremendous miracle, right? Three days they had encamped in front of the river of Jordan. God put them there for three days. Everybody would get an idea of what they were against. Everybody knew that at this time of the year, the Jordan overflowed its banks. We were in flood stage at this point. But here's the point. Man's impossibility furnished the most suitable opportunity for God to display His power. That's what the people were facing. Wouldn't it have been better to maybe wait until the river had died back a little bit? Because sometimes when you're in the dry season, that river isn't very much and you can kind of cross it pretty easily. Why did God make it so that they showed up right there at flood stage? It's simply for this reason. Impossible situations are the best backdrop for God to display His power. That's what they had to face. He didn't defer till the end of the summer when it would have been at the lowest. He chose when it was at its broadest, when at its deepest, where His hand upon His people would be most clearly seen. Let the banks of the Jordan be filled to the, to the brim till they rush over. It's just as easy to, for omnipotence to divide a flooded river as it is for omnipotence to dry up a little creek. And that's the, the God that they were facing. However, here was a real test of faith to the priests. No doubt it would have seemed pretty stupid to wade into the flooded Jordan. So now they had to make that step of faith. They walked in at its widest point, at its most flooded place. They were going to have to walk in in the path of duty and and do exactly what an omnipotent God told them to do. And so, just as a consciousness of God's presence produces a life without dread, a comprehension of God's power produces a life without dismay. We don't have to worry. If God says do it, then do it. <coughs> Excuse me. We stand on the threshold of 2024. We may be walking in at flood stage. We could walk into 2024 and be flooded with problems. The stock market could crash. The economy could fall apart. 
War could break out across the world and we could be suddenly engulfed in World War III in 2024. I'm not a prophet. I'm not saying that. Not a prophet, the son of a prophet, and I work for a nonprofit, okay? So I'm not making predictions at all, but all of us, as we face the new year, wonder what is this new year going to hold? And we could be walking in right at flood stage. We can't sit back and wait until we have enough light to see where we're going. God calls us to take that first step of faith. The priests had to take that first step of faith, walk in at flood stage, and all of a sudden, the waters heaped up at a very far place away while the other waters faded away. And then God miraculously caused this ground that had been under a flooded river to instantly be dry. So the people walked across on dry land. That's the kind of God, that's the kind of power our God has. And as we face this new year, we need to recognize we are not facing a God whose hands are going to be somehow tied in 2024. We are not facing a year where our God is somehow going to be limited because of political positions or because of worldwide affairs in 2024. We are facing a God who has the power to do incredible things in response to our step of faith. Thirdly, we're going to jump back up to verse 7. We must rest on God's provision. Look at verse 7. The Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israels, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Just as God was with the saints of old, just as God was with Moses, just as God was with Joshua, that same God's with us. And He's going to take care of us as well. God can send revival in 2024. God can save hardened sinners in 2024. God can still provide for our needs. He can still mend broken homes. God has not grown weaker over the years. His has not diminished. It's our faith that has often become weaker. As I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. He's not changed. As God was with us at Open Bible Church in 2023, and let me tell you, 2023 was a remarkable year for our church. Remarkable in how we grew. Remarkable in how God provided finances. Remarkable in the things that we have seen and changed lives. That same God is going to be with us in 2024. We've got to learn to live on His provisions. God knows perfectly what we need before we even know it. He's going to supply. He's going to sustain. He's going to strengthen us. He's going to do all those things without fail. He's not weaker than He's ever been before. And then fourth and finally, in verse 8, we've got to respect God's precepts. <coughs> verse 8 as for you command the priests who bear the ark of the covenant when you come to the brink of the waters of Jordan you shall stand in the stand still in the Jordan we tell you something the precepts of God 
may be rejected by the state of Indiana. The precepts of God may be rejected by the United States. The precepts of God may be completely disrespected by the Supreme Court, but that doesn't do away with what God has said in His book. Still there. It's worth our attention to note that at, that the people were commanded to follow the priest as they as far as they carried the ark and no further. God's children are to, are, are tasked to heed and obey His servants as they set forth exactly what God wants for them. There needs to be unquestioning unquestioning submission to the Word of God. We are open Bible church. We cannot stand here and face 2024 with the thought, well, maybe we'll have to change our stance on the Word of God as we go into 2024. No. This church has been in existence for over 70 years, 60 years and has stood firmly on the Word of God. And we've got to carry that legacy through for another year. We've got to accept it, completely obedient to it. Some of us are old enough to remember a comedian known, known as W.C. Fields. How many recognize the name W.C. Fields? A few of us do, yeah. He could make audiences roar with laughter, yet he himself was chronically unhappy in his life. It's true of so many comedians. You think of what, what happened um, uh, with, uh, what was the guy? Yeah, yeah. Religion, religion apparently played no part in the life of W.C. Fields, but it's said at the end of his life, as he was faith, facing death, he started devoting time to reading the Bible. And when he was asked about his sudden interest, interest in Scripture, Fields, always the comedian, said, I'm just looking for loopholes. I'm just looking for loopholes. There's no loopholes in the Word of God. God means what He says. He says what He means. The command is stated exactly as it meant. No room for interpretations, no room for discussion. God said it, He meant it, and we've got to live in obedience to it. We've got to learn to trust Him even when His Word doesn't always make sense. Stories told about a tourist that was driving down the road and he approached a sign that said, Road closed ahead. But the road looked pretty good to him. And so he just drove past the sign and drove on and he reached a spot where a bridge had completely washed out. He realized he got to turn around and go back. As he turned around and came back, came back to that side. On the opposite side of that sign, somebody had written, Welcome back, stupid. <laughs> you know, when God gives us a word, we've got to be obedient to it. We don't want to have to push beyond it and then have to turn around and face the shame and the humiliation of coming back and seeing all those things. Don't spend your time looking for loopholes in God's Word. It means what He says, and He says what He means, and we've got to live in obedience to it. So the Israelites were going into strange territory, as we are as we go into this year. They had to trust God to get them to where He was taking them just as we I want to suggest to you that perhaps in the year 2024, God is going to do something in you that maybe He's never done before. I am trusting God in the coming year that there will be those people 
who have never placed their faith in Jesus Christ who will do so this coming year. And we've got to be prepared to welcome them. We've got to be prepared to disciple them. Maybe you need to get baptized. Maybe you need to join the church. You've been coming here for a long time. You've never taken that step of commitment. We know we can, we can rely on you. Join the church. Maybe you need to get some serious Bible training. Maybe you need to start giving sacrificially. Maybe you need to get better at your sharing the gospel with people. Maybe you need to teach your own family. Maybe you need to read your Bible or read it through this year. I don't know how the Lord is working in your life, but what I need to tell you is that while we make God's precepts our standard, His promises our stay, and His power our strength, and His presence our sufficiency, we don't need to fear 2024. Bring it on. We've got an awesome God who has been there before. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for the truth of your word, what you have accomplished in us in 2023, and what we look forward to you accomplishing in 2024. Lord, we are confident it's going to be a great year for this one reason. You are a great God. And there's no limit to what you can do in our lives and in the lives of others in the coming year. So we dedicate ourselves to you and to your word as we face this next year. All glory be to Christ alone. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.